it might sound like one of the epistles, but grace and peace to you in our Lord Jesus Christ from the churches in Winston-Salem. It is my complete delight to be with you, to get a chance to be in this city and to be in this church that Justin and the Edgars love so deeply. Eric and I are here because of your generosity and your welcome, and I'm here to bring God's word to you today as an act of gratitude, of mystic sweet communion, and of solidarity to represent Redeemer Winston-Salem in receiving the Edgars from your embrace into ours. To be honest, the first time I came up with a silly idea like something like this, we were on the other end of it. Our associate pastor, our beloved associate pastor, was going to a church in D.C., um, and he was going to a church of a friend of mine, and though I was mad at him, I said, or because I was mad at him, I said, well, yeah, you can have him, like I had anything to do with that, but you can have him, but you got to preach him out of North Carolina. And he decided to do it. And to be honest, um, it was a much better idea when I was the other side of this. Um, Eric and I got here Friday afternoon and had the privilege of taking a tour of at least half of Albuquerque on Friday and another half on Saturday. And last night I got to have carne adovada with green and red last night. It's fantastic. Friends, you live in an amazingly beautiful city. The hills and the mountains, the rolling slant landscapes and the views everywhere you turn, the views. There's a church in the Bible that had, had views like this, and still the church there does. It is uh, the church in Ephesus. It is no, by no means a mile high. Uh, I think it's 250 feet. But it's, it's hugged by all the mountains around it, and you can see all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. It was the major city in the region, just like Albuquerque. And the church at Ephesus is probably my favorite church in the Bible, not just because the book of Ephesians is there, which is what many theologians call the queen of the epistles, but because they went through some serious and rough times, both in their planting and throughout their history, even after the biblical history. But we'll do more on that later. What I want you to see, why I was drawn to this passage in Acts from the, in the Ephesians church, is because it's one of the most tender passages, not just the book of Acts, but maybe top ten in all of scripture. It's the day Paul says farewell to the Ephesian church so that he can continue his preaching the gospel in other lands. Now Paul's about to get on a boat. He's a day's journey away before he's getting ready to leave from Macedonia to Jer Jerusalem. And he was a day's walk away, and he called the elders to come, and they did. And he gathered them to bid them fare thee well. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Now, I added some verses to this because I originally, it wasn't all 18 through 37, so I had some dot, dot, dots in there. But then I got reading, and I was like, well, we've got to put that part back in. We've got to put that part back in. So if it's not on the screen, it's still in the Bible. So. When they arrived, this is the elders, 
he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of El Norte, I mean Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. To the elders specifically, he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after themselves. So be on guard. You remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. And then he says, now I commit to you, commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's the word of the Lord, and it was given to you in love. So back to Ephesus and Albuquerque, and city prez, Edgars. The city of Ephesus was uh, home to the famous temple of Artemis or Diana, depending on the era. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. People came from everywhere to worship at this temple. It also happened to be a place of harbor for criminals, which is clearly where the similarities with Albuquerque end, even though I did get to see Walter White's house on Friday. Paul spent about three years with him, which is about as long, and at this point, as long as he's ever spent any time pastoring a church. When Paul came, they had not, in this quirky passage, says they had not fully um, received the power of the Holy Spirit or had heard the full counsel of God. So Paul stayed with them to pastor them. And this was wild. God worked some really uh, special miracles. People got healed by like touching handkerchiefs and stuff and aprons, and it was wild. But so many other wild things happened in Ephesus while Paul was the pastor. Some vagabond exorcists, like snake oil exorcists, came by to mimic the miracles of God and, um, and, and trying to figure out how to kind of get in on this game. But they failed miserably to the point at which that they got jumped by two evil spirits. Told you it was wild. And then what happened is some of those snake oil exorcists actually converted. They believed, and they belonged to the community, and then they began to bless. Many of the fellow practicers of magic believed too and belonged, 
The scripture says in chapter 19, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And there is even more. Belief in this gospel and belonging to this gospel community that shunned the evil practices of idolatry that was worldwide resulted in a disruptive blessing to the city. It actually upended, the, the, uh, uh, upended a major economic structure of the city. The new believers would melt down their silver idols, and then the new idol sales plummeted. You know, those like little trinkets you might get, the little, you know, that surrounded the temple. The, the Ephesian church preached and lived the gospel so effectively the idols had no power, and the silversmiths had no money. The silversmiths rioted. They dragged a couple of Paul's buddies into the theater. You can go to that theater today. And they were yelling, great as Artemis, great as Artemis, great as Artemis. And the, the crowds uh, grew and kept going to the point where the town clerk, an overseer from, uh, appointed by Rome, had to come out and quell the violence with his own chance of how awesome Artemis was and chilled them all out. It is after Paul, um, after this, a little bit after this, that Paul sends uh, for the elders so that he could say, fare thee well. He could say his goodbyes and give the last pastoral encouragement. His last words to them are pretty simple and they're super beautiful. And as I read through and have heard of your ministry in this city, I couldn't help but think of the similarities. Your elders, Justin, have shaped you well in your mission and vision. Believe, belong, and bless. And it overlaps with Paul's farewell address. To believe, you say, we believe the gospel. The incarnation, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus is our hope and is our hope for the city and the world. We seek to believe this even though we believe it, right? We bank on it. We hope on it. We seek to share it with ourselves, with each other, and with our world through words and deeds. Paul says, you know that I have not hesitated, hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you but have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and Greeks alike of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, now I commit to you, commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance for all those being sanctified. Friends, there's nothing more important than this. The word of grace is building you up and you believe it. Justin has taught you publicly, and we all know his gifting in this. But Justin has also taught you house to house. Amid your greatest joys and deepest sorrows, and I've heard some of those stories, cherish those memories of that house to house proclamation. Cherish the pulpit ministry, but most of all, cherish the content of it the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is our king, that he is the king of all mercy, that he loves you, he will always love you. There's nothing you can do to keep him from loving you. This is what those warnings are about. Don't let someone come in and distort the truth. Don't let someone come in, get, you get desperate, and you're like, well, as a charismatic leader, 
Paul says wolves. Distorting the purity of the gospel. You have on your website that, you know, false gospels are moralism and pragmatism. Watch out for those things, it says. Keep your head on a swivel so that nothing would distort the gospel in your community. Keep watch over yourselves, elders, and all the flock. Be shepherds of God's church, which he bought with his own blood. Keep living your lives in reliance upon one another around warm fires and humility and vulnerability and courage and power that Jesus brings. But it's not just believing, it is the belonging. You say our primary identity as a church is family. We are family belonging to one another. We want to share life. We want to live life together. It's why you guys have as your two, two of your five strategies, multiplying community groups and church planting, that you would, be belong, you would have a place to belong. Paul says, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of El Norte, Asia, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. I can hear Justin's voice mouthing this to you. And I know that the way he and Danette and the kids have lived the whole time among you as an embodiment of belonging. I know that he has welcomed you and wept with you. You have learned, leaned into this and learned this kind of belonging by his tenderness and tenacity of a shepherd who is convinced that the people of Albuquerque need to belong to a community that lives as if the gospel is true. Together. This is at your core. Let me encourage you about how both you can miss it and put it back on center because this believing and this belonging are intimately tied together. My first is a quote from C.S. Lewis. I'm not going to actually quote it. I'm going to just kind of run off it. Um, so don't, if it's got bad grammar, it ain't Lewis. Um, we picture lovers face to face is what he says. But friends, and I'll add belonging as side by side. Their eyes have to look ahead or look at something else. This is why when you have a people who just want to have friends, you can never have friends. Because you have to have other thing to look at to enjoy and value together. Those who have nothing to look at together can share nothing with another. Those who are not going anywhere can have no fellow travelers. Lewis is saying is just, he's just reminding us that something has to be at the center of our belonging into a community, which is where I'll pick up Bonhoeffer. who says Christian community means community through and in Jesus Christ. On this presupposition rests everything that the scriptures provide in the, uh, for the communal life of God's people. The more genuine and deeper the community becomes, the more everything else between us will recede and the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. It is what we see and value together, which helps us belong. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ, we do have one another, holy and for all eternity. Let Jesus and his gospel of grace captivate your gaze as you belong to one another. It is the something that builds your belonging. It is the belief that builds your belonging. 
because he has been the friend of sinners who welcomed us and called us the very sons and daughters of God. That's why we belong. So you see how the believing and the belonging are connected immediately together, going back and forth. But the same is true with the third point, to bless. You say, our primary work as a family, a community, is to bless others. Love this. We seek to bless our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and our city by pursuing relationships in these networks, then by offering life and hope of renewal to them through sacrificial love. We want the city and the people of our city to flourish. We believe this is best accomplished. This is so beautiful. When we as a community lay down our desires and our wants to serve the city, we seek to bless the city of Albuquerque through word and deed. Paul says, in everything I did, I showed you that this kind of hard work, we must, in this hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of our Lord Jesus, who says it is more blessed to give than to receive. I've heard the stories of your work in Albuquerque. And I know that you've done it even through your own church's struggles, difficulties. In the middle of that, you have welcomed and served. And I want to encourage you, friends, especially in this next season, you will be tempted to hunker down, self-preserve, get that holy huddle, to turn inward. But I want you to encourage you to keep an outward face towards your neighbors in the city. It is even amid which you will experience a sense of loss and weakness that the Spirit shows up in power. And you get to bless the city and this world out of your weakness to show the surpassing glory of God. Here's what you did not hear me say. Suck it up and keep grinding. The reason I picked this passage today is because you are supposed to grieve. You're supposed to have a season of tears. Paul could have easily just written a letter, sent it to a courier, and just said, guys, I'm out now. But he called them in a day's journey to be with them, to mark that occasion, their experience, their ministry together, their belief, their belonging, and their blessing. And in tenderness of that grief is when he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Bye. Y'all, as Edgar's journey east, symbolically at least, but if you want to do it literally, it's fine too. Kneel together. Embrace. Kiss. Tell the stories. Raise the Ebenezer of the labors and love of this season in your church so that it can be fuel for the next season and pray for each other, for them. Pray for Redeemer to receive them in love and humility and tell us how we can pray for you. Send us those requests. We as Redeemer will pray for you in this. We are now linked forever in God's stories or our stories are now linked ever in him, in his mission. We We share a spiritual journey now. The future is unknown for both of us, but the Lord is kind and we believe and belong together as we take on our mission of blessing to our areas. 
I want to end one more thing, end with one more thing about the Ephesian church. When I say end, four or five minutes. You've got to be careful when you say the word end. I want to encourage you to the great work that you've been called to. To remind you that City Prez does not ultimately rely on its own ability to believe and belong and bless. That it all comes from the power of the resurrected Christ through the Holy Spirit and the good shepherding of the Father and the Son. The Ephesian church had its ups and downs after Paul left and ups and downs long after the scripture uh, was closed. About 30 years later, it got a letter from a guy named John, one of seven letters in the book of Revelations. And he started off with, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And then he said, because he's a good pastor, not just encouraging them, but exhorting them, calling them to repentance. He said, yet I hold this against you. You have forgotten your first love. The gospel itself. They, they had minimized the power of the gospel to save and to sanctify in some ways. They set the belief and the belonging and the blessing uh, toward the back burner in some ways. And so this John of Patmos who writes Revelation says, repent. And the apostle calls them to repent. And as far as church history tells the story, they did they did. And it ain't just like any other church that just sometimes there's just times of deep repentance. It's actually how we get better. We grow, and it's not just deep repentance, it's turning to the new life that he offers. It's the soiled diaper made clean and clothed. Yes, Ephesus had its ups and downs. Historically, the city of Ephesus drastically declined, they were attacked by outsiders but the church in Ephesus ended up a couple hundred years later being the place for ecumenical councils where all the bishops or elders would come together. It became a hub for the proclamation of the gospel, the believing, the belonging, and the blessing. And it, was ha- it happened not because they got it right every time, but when they got it wrong, they learned to repent and trust that believing and belonging and blessing again. The spirit of the resurrected Savior, the power of Jesus who forgives sins, the love of the Father preserved them and had them flourishing. It is an amazing reality that the power of the sustaining and flourishing of the church ain't tied to its elders or leaders or how awesome you all are, but you seem really awesome. But it is by the power of the Holy Spirit because he loves us. He doesn't mind righting our wrongs and calling us back. Even from we lose our first loves for a bit. The hope of the gospel, the hope of City Prez, the hope of Redeemer, the hope for the Edgars as they journey to a new land is that the Holy Spirit, by his power, through the love of the Father, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, will keep his church. It is our one foundation. It's not about you grinding, staying faithful. It's the fact that the triune God has been grinding, and he is faithful. I want to leave you with a prayer that later after this, 
may have said some of this when they were kneeling together. But it's a prayer a couple years later, a prayer that he wrote the Ephesian church in the book of Ephesians. For this reason, and I love this, I bow my knees before the Father. I wonder if he's writing. He's going, I remember when we did this. From every family in heaven and on earth, whom every family in, in heaven and earth are named. And that's whether you're a Carolinian or a Bricania. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, through belief, that you being rooted, you have been rooted and established in love, may have not the strength just to endure. No, the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He just said, I want you to know it. And he says, what? But you can't know it. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God himself, not just even the knowledge of God, of God himself. Now, he says, to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.